Recently, the Christian rap artist Lecrae was sharing about his life and his testimony at Yale University. And he was sharing about all these uh, heartbreaking experiences that he'd had as a young man growing up. He shared about how he was sexually assaulted by a family member when he was seven years old about how his father left his family when he was four years old. He shared about how he had struggles with PTSD because he had witnessed a a murder as a young man. And all sorts of just really difficult experiences for one person to experience in their life. But even through all this, as a young man, he, he called on Jesus for forgiveness of his sins. He was forgiven, was saved, and born again. And this is what Lecrae said. He said, I'm not a Christian because I'm strong and have it all together. I'm a Christian because I'm weak and admit I need a Savior. Did you hear that? Because I'm weak and I admit that I need a Savior. See, this is the heart of the gospel. That we recognize that we are incapable and that God is capable and that we need him to save us. We need him to forgive us of our sins. We can't save ourselves. We need the Lord to do this. And we each have to come to a point when we realize that we are helpless in our sin and we need Jesus to save us. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, my prayer is that before you leave this place today, that you would recognize your need to be saved, that you can't do it, and that you need Jesus to save you. But when we are a Christian, it doesn't mean that we have it all together. Trusting in the gospel is... Not the ending point of our relationship with God. It's the beginning point of our relationship with God. Each day we have to realize that we need God in order to live for him. We have to believe the gospel over and over again every single day. We've been sold a a lie that pride and self-reliance equal strength. But humility and dependence on the Lord is where we find strength. The Bible tells us that when we are weak, then we are made strong. And this is where the the psalmist brings us today in Psalm 119. We're going through a series called People of the Book, and we're looking at Psalm 119. It's all about loving the Word of God and living the Word of God. And as I've shared with you, this this uh, psalm is a, is a masterpiece of poetry. It's an alphabet poem in which every stanza, the, the first letter of each line of that stanza begins with a particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And today we come to not the number seven, but the letter Daleth, which is uh, the, the letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And every line in this stanza of Psalm 119 begins with that letter. And it's showing us where we find strength. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able as we turn to Psalm 119 and verse 25. The word of God says, my life is down in the dust. Give me life 
through your word. I told you about my life and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I'm weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I've chosen the way of truth. I've set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees, Lord. Do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. Thank you. You may be seated today. We're going to learn in this passage of scripture, it breaks really in half this, this, this section about confessing our shortcomings and then choosing God. And so the first part of this stanza is about confessing our shortcomings. In verse 25, the psalmist says, my life is down in the dust. And that phrase literally reads, my soul clings to the dust, is what it means. My soul is clinging to the dust. And so the passage begins with a confession from the psalmist saying, I don't have it all together. My life is down in the dust. My soul is clinging to the dust. And what he means by that is, I'm a dead man. I'm dead in my sins. Because that's what dust is symbolic of in the Bible. When he says, my life is in the dust, or I'm clinging to the dust, that's what he means. For example, in Genesis three fourteen, the Lord God said to the serpents, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock, more than any wild animal, and you will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. That he would be down in the dust. And so being in the dust was the curse that was put upon the serpent. And it was the consequence of the sin of the first man and woman. Because he turned to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.19 and said to them, You'll eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. Right? This was the, the curse, that they would die, that they would return to the dust. And so in ancient times, the, the people would cover their heads in dirt or in dust as a sign of mourning. Because the dead were buried, they were covered in dirt. And as you were mourning the loss of someone that you loved, you would, you would cover your head in dirt. As you would see their bodies returning to the dust. And so, it wasn't just a sign of mourning for death, however, it was also a sign of mourning over our sin, because these sin leads to death, the Bible teaches us. And so, in the Hebrew mind, these two concepts were, were, were connected, that this physical death and spiritual death were connected, and you would, you would mourn physical death, you would mourn spiritual death or sin by covering your head in dust, and so when they were repentant, they would cover their heads with dust. You see this all throughout the Old Testament, that the, the people would, would cover themselves in, in sackcloths and ashes over their heads or dust on their heads. They were mourning their sinful condition that leads unto death. But the good news is that God raises us out of the dust to new life, that we are born again in Christ. 
In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, the prophet said, your dead will live. Their bodies will rise, awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. That we're made new in Christ. Paul explains it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 47 and 49. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. But like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we'll also bear the image of the man of heaven. And so he's saying we don't have to be these peoples of the dust. We can be born again to life. And this is where the psalmist begins. He says, I, I'm, I'm, my life is down in the dust. I'm, I'm a dead man. And he says there as he continues in verse 25, give me life through your word. That word of God convicts us of our sin. It, it, it shows us that we fall short of the glory of God, that we, are, that we are headed because of our sin unto death. But it also gives us life because it points us to our Savior, Jesus. And in him we find life. In him we find forgiveness. In him we find strength to live every day. So the psalmist is asking of the Lord, I'm in the dust, but give me life through your word. He goes on in verse 26 to say, I've told you about my life and you answered me. He's confessing his sin to the Lord. He says, I've I've told you about my life. He's telling of his ways. He's confessing unto the Lord, but God doesn't ignore him. He says, I've told you about my life and you answered me. The Lord answers us when we call out to him from this place. When we call out to him and say, I need help. When you call out to him and say, I can't do this, save me. Too often we fail to confess our sin to the Lord. Instead, we try to cover it up or to explain it away or to hush it down. And we act like we're just fine that we're strong enough on our own. But all we're doing is placing a mask over death. Rick Warren said, people are always more encouraged when we share how God's grace helped us in weakness than when we brag about our strengths. Because we're all weak if we were strong enough to admit it. We're all weak. We all need help, but we can all find strength when we seek the Lord. So he says in verse 27, help me. Help me to understand the meaning of your precepts. He says, I'm I'm a man of the dust and I need you, Lord, to help me. I need you, Lord, to teach me. He goes on in verse 28 to say, I'm weary from grief. He's tired of living down in the dust. He's He's, he's weary from grieving over his sin. And so as he's calling out to the Lord, confessing his shortcomings to him, what does God do for him? In verse 28, he says, strengthen me through your word. It's two times now. Give me life through your word. Strengthen me through your word. 
So God picks up a, a weak, frail man of the dust and he strengthens him with his own strength. And that's, that's good news for us this morning because we mess up over and over again. It's like the, the old hymn says, we're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. We're weak and frail people of the dust, but he makes us people of the book. And he strengthens us in his word to live each day for him. But we have to confess our shortcomings. I've been a Christian for about 23 years now of my life. But I don't have it all together. (laughs) And every single day I have to confess my shortcomings to the Lord. I have to confess my sin to the Lord and ask forgiveness for my sin every single day. And I've got to seek the Lord in his word for strength to live each day. To say, give me life through your word. Strengthen me through your word. Just like the psalmist says. What are you going to do? See, the psalmist begins by telling us we have to confess these shortcomings. To say, I don't have it all together. I'm not a Christian because I have it all together. I'm a Christian because I'm weak and I need Jesus. The second part of this psalm, we see him choosing God. There's a clear division, a change that occurs at verse 29. The first half of the passage, he's in the dust. He's asking for help. He's weary. You see him, you know, in that, in that position. But as you turn over to verse 29 through the rest of this stanza, you see him choosing God, running after God. In verse 30, he says, I have chosen the way of truth. That's a decision that every single one of us has to make in our heart. To choose to follow after God. Are you going to make that choice in your heart today? Or are you going to say, I'm strong enough. I don't have to confess shortcomings. I don't have to admit that I don't have it all together. Are you willing to say, I need forgiveness. I need to be saved, to call on the Lord, to choose God. And the psalmist is is emphatic here. He says, I I have chosen the way of truth. I have chosen the faithful way, some translations say. He doesn't want the way of the world. He knows that that way doesn't satisfy. He doesn't want anything to do with it. In verse 29, he says, keep me from that way. Keep me from the way of deceit. So how do you then remain on the way of truth and away from the way of deceit. God's word. That's how you stay there. I wish that we would capture this high view of scripture that the psalmist holds. If I polled our congregation, all of you would say that you believe that the Bible's true. But do we believe that it's sufficient? Do we believe that it's enough? We act like the Bible's true, but I'm going to do this. We act like the Bible's good, but I'm going to do that. We view the Bible as a supplement and not as the source of our strength. 
And if Christians really believed the Bible was the way of truth, then we'd read it more than we do. We would. If we really believed that it was where we found life, that it was where we found strength, then we would be in it more. We don't act like it's the way of truth and that it's the very words of our almighty creator given to us to know him and to live for him. But the psalmist here, you see, is remaining resolute in his choice to follow God because the word of God is strengthening him. He says in verse 30, I've set your ordinances before me. The word of God, the ordinances of God are revealing the way of truth. And by keeping them ever before him, he's always mindful of the way of God. I mean, how are you going to stay on the path if you don't read the map, right? The Appalachian Trail comes very close here to where we are, starts uh, down in North Georgia at Springer Mountain, and it goes 2,190 miles up to the state of Maine, and it ends at Katahdin. And through hikers, hikers that hike the entire trail, usually takes them about five to seven months of hiking to do the entire trail. There are a lot of other hikers that'll do day hikes or weekend hikes or week-long hikes on different sections of the trail, but it's a, it's, a, it's a magnificent trail that stretches most of the east coast of our country. But as you go down the trail, you'll see these white trailblazes, and that's, that's the blaze that marks the Appalachian Trail, and for, for most of the trail, it's really clearly marked. As you go down through the trail, every so often you'll see one of these, these marks, and that lets you know you're on the trail. You're on the right path. You're going the right way. And you know to keep going. And when you choose to follow God, the way is clearly designated for you. It's the way of Christ and it's in his word. He says, this is the white blazes for us that keeps us on the trail, that, that lets us know we're going the right way, that, that compa- propels us on to the next step. It's right here. And it would be silly if you were on the trail and say, I don't care if I ever look and see if there are trailblazes, if I ever know that I'm on the right path or going the right way, that would be ridiculous. But that's exactly how we live our lives and we disregard the blazes that God has put before us. But the psalmist says, I have set your ordinances before me. So he would know the way to go. Set the word of God before you. And then he says there in verse 31, I cling to your decrees, Lord. You remember at the beginning of this section, he was clinging to the dust. His life was in the dust. He was mired in sin. But here he's clinging on to something else now. He's clinging on to God's word. He's holding firm with all of his might to the word of God because this is his trust. This is his hiding place. And he cries out to him in verse 31, so Lord, do not put me to shame. He's saying, I'm trusting in in you with all that I have. 
I'm relying on your word for every situation in my life. So be faithful to your word. Keep your promises to your people. I'm holding on here for dear life to it. Now summer's almost over. We woke up this weekend and it was like pumpkin spice everywhere, right? The weather turned cool. I put on my sweater because I'm getting acclimated here to uh, Tennessee. And so it's cool weather outside. But one of our favorite summer activities is to be out on a lake, riding on a tube behind a a boat pulling you across the lake, right? That's that's, that's just fun to do. And that boat is whipping you around like a rag doll on that wake back and forth, and you're, you're holding on to that tube. Has anybody ever done that before, riding on a tube out on the lake? A lot of you have. When you're riding on that tube, are you just kind of like chilling like this on the tube? Not for very long you're not, are you? You do that, you got about a second, and then you're in the water. When you're hanging on that tube, I mean, you're, you're holding on for dear life, right? As that boat's going 30 miles an hour, however fast it's going, and it's whipping you around back and forth. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. But that's what it's like here as the psalmist saying, I'm hanging on to your word. Every muscle in your arm is straining to hold on to that tube as it's pulling you out to the edge of of the weight. That's how the psalmist is hanging on to the word of God. It's all he has. And it's all that we have also. So are you clinging to the word of God? Are you latching on to the commandments of God? Are you grasping after the promises of God? And we cling on to them as we face conflict in our lives. When you hold on for dear life to that inner tube, it's because you have the force of 30 miles per hour pulling you away from the tube. And so you're holding on for dear life. And you'll have great conflict in your life that will try to pull you away from the Lord. And that conflict can come from within, from our flesh, our sinful desires that that wanna pull us away from the Lord. That conflict can come from Satan, our adversary, who wants to drag us away from the Lord. That that conflict can come from a world that's opposed to Christ and to his kingdom. And when those forces are trying to pull you away, that's when you hold on tight and you cling to the word of God. Because the word of God gives us strength. Because it's true. It's trustworthy. Because God is faithful. And you'll not be disappointed when you cling to the word of God and to the promises of God. At the very end of this section, verse 32, he says, I pursue the way of your commands. Some translations say, I run after your commands. He's making a declaration here at the end of this section that he's gonna run after the commandments of God. This is an abandon after God. This isn't some timid following after God. This isn't a reluctant sort of trailing behind God. He's all in. He's pursuing the commands of God. He's running after the commands of God. It's like Moses told the Israelite people, you'll love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That's how we are to pursue God and pursue his word. 
The psalmist says in Psalm 42 verse 1, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. It's the same idea. He's he's pursuing him. I'm longing for you, God. Paul says it like this in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what's ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He's pursuing the Lord. He's chosen to follow God. He's clinging to God. Now he's chasing after him with all that he has. And he says there at the end, I'm going to pursue, run after the way of your commands because you broaden my understanding. It literally says that you enlarge my heart. You made my heart big. You know, it's like young puppy love when you're talking on the phone to your, to your girlfriend and you say, oh, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you more. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first, right? Your heart is enlarged. That's what he says. I'm I'm pursuing you in your word and you've enlarged my heart. He's loving God. Jesus is out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what he's saying, that you've enlarged my heart and I'm pursuing you with all that I have. And so Christians today, we've been challenged in this passage to confess our shortcomings to recognize that this is something that we have to do every day we have to take up our cross daily and follow after the lord we have to continually trust in the gospel and continually seek after god follow him every day realizing that we need him all the time clinging to the word of god for strength he says your word is my strength your word is my life that's what the psalmist says here That needs to be our confession this morning. And that we would run after the Lord. He enlarges our heart to love him and to follow him and to serve him. So in a moment, we're going to have a time of response and we're going to stand, we're going to sing. There's going to be leadership at the front. This altar is open. Of course, you can stay in your seat and pray as well. But maybe you need to come before the Lord today, confessing your shortcomings, choosing God today, This hour, this moment, saying, I need you. I want to cling to your word. I need your strength for every day. There are some here this morning, some that are watching online, that have never trusted in Christ for salvation. Today, we have to do exactly what the psalmist tells us to do to confess our shortcomings, to say, I, I can't do this. I can't save myself. I recognize that my life is in the dust. I'm a dead man and I need life from you. I need forgiveness from you. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to do exactly that. He came to this earth and lived a life without any sin. He never clung to the dust like we do. He never sinned. And yet he died on the cross as a substitute for you and for me and he shed his blood to pay the price, to pay the death, to pay the debt that we owe. He's placed in the grave and on the third day he rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death for all who would trust in him by faith to forgive them of their sins, that they would be born again, that they'd be raised to life, that they would become part of the kingdom of God. And that can happen in your heart right now. If you would 
Repent of your sin and call on Jesus to forgive you. If you're watching online at home, you can pick up your phone, you can text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. You can let us know that this is a decision that you want to make in your heart today. To follow after Jesus, to confess that you need him and to choose God today. However God is speaking to your heart, now is the time that we'd be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you today for your word and for, Lord, the challenge that you've put before us. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, that we can cling to your word. We can find strength for every day in your word. And so, God, I pray that today Christians in this room would be willing to admit weakness, to confess shortcomings, and to choose you today that they would lay, lay down their life and take up their cross daily to follow after you. So Lord, help us, strengthen us to follow you faithfully. God, I pray for any that are here that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, or that today they would confess their sin and they would choose to follow after you. It's really that simple. That they would step out today and to let one of these leaders here at the front know that this is what they want to do in their heart. So God, move in this time. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.